life to episode two of Talking Consciousness. My name is Unfortunate Chemistry, and today I have G. White on the podcast, and he's going to be going through some of his tripping experiences, and we are going to discuss his opinions on the altered consciousness mindset. How's it going? Hey, how are you? Doing pretty good, man. Uh, man good to be here. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to have you on. So why don't you just go right ahead and jump into some of your experiences? Wow, man, that's a tough one. Um, I've had, a, I would say, probably at least a handful of different ex- experiences. Um, I, all of my experiences have been with either LSD or, or psilocybin mushrooms. Um, and I've had really, I would say, only only positive experiences with both. Um, my 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 first first experience was with with mushrooms. I would say about ten years ago, maybe when I was like eighteen or nineteen, okay. and, and that kind of opened my eyes to the whole idea of even the you know altered state of consciousness. Because really, before you ever try anything, you you kind of like don't even have an, an idea of what you're getting into. Um, Right. Yeah. Well, and I and agree with that. I f- and I feel like the the information that's out there now on the internet is so prevalent. Like I don't really recall it it being like that before, or at least unless you were into the networks that really talked about it a lot. Um, it just wasn't as omnipresent as I feel like it is now. Yeah. And so that was a game changer. I, I feel like. Um, Especially like, you know, kind of that turning point in your life, you know, 18, 19, 20, going into college and stuff like that. Um, That really like it opens the doors to so many different other experiences. Um, Your mind kind of becomes. I I would say (laughs) that one of the most interesting things I think about any psychedelic experience is that it it does actually you know you say open your mind but it, it kind of actually literally does open your mind um like you become a more open person usually afterwards after that first experience yeah yeah absolutely which is really interesting to me one of the most interesting things too do you find it hard not being open now um i would say i'm a not a particularly open person to begin with um, just more like, I wouldn't say I'm a, I'll close off, but just more of your typical, like, you know, keep to yourself, right. uh, type, you know, uh, introvert and whatnot. Yeah. Um, I would, I would say that I fit in that same category. But, but when you have that first like trip where like, you're like, holy, holy shit, like everybody is one, or right, <laughs> the right. world is, you're just like, <laughs> that changes everything for you. <laughs> but I mean, I, I know that I listen to a lot of you know uh, interesting people talk about the subject now, and like uh, I'm sure you're familiar with like Hamilton Morris. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, he's into like the idea that you know the like we should stop talking about bad trips. You, you know, even though bad trips obviously do exist for some people, and some people have negative experiences even after the even after the trip um 
but he's like most of the time it's you know 99 percent of the time it's you don't have a bad trip it's, it's just a challenging experience that you should learn from or um a more challenging experience than a, a good a positive experience right and you really um, you really don't know how uh how things are gonna go you hear it all the time you know set and setting and as long as your mindset's good and your environment is safe and familiar that you will not have a bad trip but you don't you don't know what you're getting yourself into ever because i really believe that these substances kind of have they have like you can set all the intentions that you want okay but i i feel like they have their own intentions for you <laughs> well that's what they say about especially like the ayahuasca spirit, like, you know, the mother spirit, yes. um, which I've, you know, that's like, I would say my next big hurdle that I want to tackle. That's like I too. really would love to have that, ex that experience. I'm going to be, uh, I'm not going to the jungle or anything because I'm, I am not wealthy in any way, but I am going to be having ayahuasca experience in either March or April. I actually, I have all the ingredients, but I'm just waiting for the time to be right. Wow, that's awesome. So you are, because I know there's like, I think what they call is like pharmawaska, like synthetic. Yeah, no. Or I'm is it that. like you actually have your own I, that you're gonna brew? I'm gonna brew. Yeah. Wow, that's that's insane. You know, they there's a couple different things I've heard about about that. There's the people that say, well, you can't beat the experience of the shamans. Um, and then there's people that say, well, they put other other substances in the ayahuasca brew, you know, uh, during your long experience, I guess you'd say. Right. Um, but, I mean, I've also heard other people say, hey, you know, <laughs> you can have an, what, any kind of experience you want to have in your own home. You don't need, you know, the experts, yeah, expertise yeah, of... I've, uh, I've heard both. I don't... So, I'm kind of looking at it from the perspective of just wanting to explore that that uh that headspace a little bit and see what it has to offer i am not going into it in the way a lot of people they go they go to these retreats almost as like a last ditch effort to get over something like a depression mm -hmm. um you know a serious like breakup or death in a family uh and in the past like if you would have talked to me a year ago that that concept would might have been you know uh, a good reason to try this, but I have just found myself so comfortable and content in my in my life, and um, I don't really have anything that I need to heal. Now I I'm not going to be surprised if uh, the uh, mother spirit wants to show me some ways that I'm not the best version of myself. Or ways that I've failed as, you know, whatever, whatever yeah. roles that I fill, you know, father, husband, it might point out some weaknesses. And I have a feeling this is going to be my most challenging trip, but, you know, not everybody, not everybody can afford the time off and a trip to Peru, you know, it's just, oh yeah, it's a big ask. And then if you've seen Viceland has a new show called Kentucky Ayahuasca, um, and it is actually <laughs> no, I've not seen that. That's so it's there's this guy who had his first experience, and then he just you know he believes he's a shaman now. This guy has like no teeth, and <laughs> and he's a he's a rough dude. And I don't, I don't want to be too harsh on the guy, but 
I feel like that is cultural appropriation. I think um, you can't you can't call yourself a shaman if you didn't you weren't. So you so it sounds like you're not big into the well. It sounds like you're not as into it, the the shamanic experience or the ritualistic experience. You're more into the, like, how is this well, going to no. affect me so and my I, psyche? And that's what I'm going. I I just feel like that's the only way I can pursue this without being with a real shaman. I, okay. I, I, I dis- have you heard Have you heard of the churches in the United States? Yes, I have. I just. I, I don't think that's right. I think I really think that's cultural appropriation in the worst way, not in the I'm offended. Uh, I can't have a a costume party at my college. <laughs> that's not the kind of cultural appropriation I'm talking about. I'm talking about, hey, here's this ritual that we've developed over um, probably probably 8000 years, if I had to guess. Um, and it is highly meaningful to my people. And it is literally uh, like a rite of passage and a way of life and hey look a bunch of white people are coming down from the city <laughs> and, <laughs> well well, a lot of the guys I know in the church of mother earth are, are legit uh, what I, I've, I'm under the impression that they're legit uh, you know shamans with like a tr- the tradition and, and whatnot. and as long as it's that way I, I'm I sure not, maybe supported. not this guy from Kentucky yeah <laughs> no 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 um, and I mean so I'm kind of conflicted. On one hand, when you find that something has huge benefits, you want to share that. I get it. I totally get it. But if you can just do that without saying like that you have any sort of spiritual influence or power that was gained from these plants, because I don't think you do, man. You're, you are from Kentucky. The guy was a former bank robber. Like they put the whole profile out there. (laughs) The show really sensationalizes it. They, you know, you know how television has to do. They, they say things. There's a guy on there. He's like, I've heard that ayahuasca can either, uh, kill you or change you or make you crazy. And I'm hoping it'll do the second. And I'm like, it's not going to kill you. It's not going to make you crazy, man. You're just trying to boost the ratings of this show. <laughs> Come on. That's too funny. So I'm, I, I want to be able to explore my mind with it. Uh, other substances I have taken, I, I wouldn't say they had a familiar uh, spiritual aspect. Like like they had a spirit characteristic. Um I didn't feel I've never I've never contacted an entity. I've never had that feeling of being spoken to by something either outside of this physical world or just some some manifestation that happens in my mind. I've never had that experience. I've had deeply, deeply profound introspection where I look at myself from a third person. Uh, I've had experiences of oneness, experiences of uh, understanding more understanding what the concept of like a, a god would be but not nothing like directly spoke to me and took my hand and that's something i'm interested in with that ayahuasca experience so i'm gonna make my brew and i'm gonna i have a playlist on spotify of ikaros and i'm gonna pop that in and i'm gonna lay in my bed with a bucket and <laughs> that's that's gonna happen. And, and then you get strapped in for eight hours or whatever. Now, now with uh, uh, with uh, this podcast, maybe one day I will be able to d- 
do a, a traditional ceremony and if I ever get the opportunity, trust me, I'm going to take it. It's just not feasible right now. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think the next big vacation I want to do, if I have a choice, it's I'd like to go to to Peru and and do that. That would be fantastic, man. And but I would love for you to come back. It's not right on the horizon. The story. Oh yeah. Because I like, you know, part of me wants to say, well, it'll be so easy just to go down to one of these, uh, you know, like I, in my old hometown, uh, there was a church uh, that held rituals like every weekend and like even on the weekdays. And you could do like, you could do like a day ritual, you could do a night ritual, you could do like over like two days over the weekend and you could do like three uh, ceremonies. Right. And uh, it, it sounded really amazing. Um, and it sounded completely legit. Right. Um, but it's kind of like, I don't know. Part of me wants to <clears throat> give Peru a try. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it, I, like, how, how can you beat that set and setting, you know? Yeah, you can't. You can't. That sounds absolutely phenomenal. I think the kind of the ritual aspect of it, I wouldn't say it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's everything, but it's definitely, it's something to it. Like, you know, the, the mind space that you get into. Yeah. I mean, just like with any other experiences. Absent of the chemicals themselves that are producing this profound state, ritualism can induce altered states of consciousness. This has been widely documented. So I'm sure there's a huge aspect to that. I mean, it, I don't think there's any way to get around that. And I think, like, uh, with, I want to say with, with ayahuasca in the past, I don't want to say it's, you know, I just feel like it's it, it, it's kind of a more subtle, more subtle uh, compared to, like, an LSD or a mushroom trip or, or smoking DMT. Like, you you know what's... You don't know exactly what's going to happen when you have one of those experiences, but you know something is going to happen. <laughs> yeah. And with the ayahuasca, it's a little more like you're being guided and, right. um, you know, it's a long experience. So you kind of like are slowly being taken somewhere else. And the shaman has an integral part in this kind of journey. Um, whereas if you smoke DMT, it's like, you know. Hello. <laughs> five seconds later, yeah. Five seconds later, something is gonna happen. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Then, and then you'll you'll have been gone for you know another five minutes and and you'll be back. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like the perfect gentleman's trip. You're like, man, I don't have time. I don't have time to be freaking dancing around for twelve hours on LSD. Let's uh smoke some DMT I, and I'll be back yeah. in five minutes. I I hear all the time when I'm watching. I know you mentioned like uh. Joe Joe's podcast, like you mentioned, like oh, I just used to order it by the bucket. Yeah, and I'm like, oh god, like how amazing would that be? <laughs> Time to change, man. <laughs> I would love to get a, hand, a hold of some of that stuff. Yeah, um, um, and I'm not, you know, I'm not as uh, savvy with the uh, more interesting parts of the internet where that's still possible. <laughs> oh yeah, like the dark web. Yeah, yeah I, so. um. I will say, uh, before we get on to your first trip, uh, last quick comment. Uh, I'm really glad that I did not discover psychedelics until I was an established, I had like an established family unit 
a solid job and like all my responsibilities in order. Because had I discovered psychedelics when I was, say, 16 or 17, I, I don't think I would be as responsible with my use. Um, and I'm not saying that everybody is that way, but I, I know for a fact, me personally, I would have been that way because I can totally obsess over things. And if I found out that, like, I can go to this other world and I don't have any reason to not <laughs> I just do be, this every day i would be doing it maybe not every day but i would have been doing this a lot and i uh i have like an agreement with my wife where i'm only tripping so all every so often and currently uh that agreement is twice per year so i for a lot of people that might sound super bizarre especially people who are in this um oh that sounds pretty healthy field but yeah i, I think that that overall especially that overall like series you laid out like you know i i I would say i think i think i was 18 the first time i and uh yeah because it just it can like psychedelics can scoop you up and just completely change you right and so like you said like that you're an established you had your teens you had your family that like i think that's really important because you had that under those underlying structures to ground you now it did. So all of your exploration kind of branches out from it that did instead change of completely. Me, though, uh, profoundly, I mean, it, it the most like spiritual experience of my life. Uh, you know, like you hear about people who they become religious, you know, through like Christianity or something, mm-hmm. and then they just wake up one day and they're not the same and they're a different person. And they'll tell you that. And they'll tell you how a lot of life was changed. I'm telling you, man, that is how it was for me. Once I dipped my toes in the psychedelic, uh, dimension, I mean, I just wasn't the same. Um, once you have that feeling of that oneness and that interconnected with everything and, um, <clears throat> The idea that, uh, at least for me, I know this is very common, but the what was what was uh, communicated to me through the experience was love, man. And um, while maybe these ideas aren't really that out there, and on th- at the base, uh, everybody kind of knows it's true. But like until you see this stuff firsthand, sometimes you just don't live in a way that's true to that idea. And it shook me, and it it made me examine how I was living. And, um, I like, I, I had a lot of anger beforehand and now I'm, I'm much more present and I can see, like, I can see that I'm getting angry about things now. And I go, wow, what, why am I, why am I angry? And is this worth, <laughs> you know, is, is this anger beneficial to me? What? And it's like, um, it, it just put myself under a magnifying glass and had me, like, basically uh, realize that I wasn't living authentically and I wasn't living to the idea that, like, love is the primary motivation behind everything. And, man, if you love yourself and you love other people uh, and you live in a way in accordance to that, man, my, my life got just got so much better once I started doing that. So I definitely changed me. It definitely changed me. There's no getting. And if that's and if that's not like, I I say I would say that's one of the better definitions of God I've ever heard. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, 
Yeah. Were you spirit? Were you? Did you have any kind of religious or spiritual background before this? Before that experience? I was a Christian. I was past tense. Uh, It shook me too much, and you were you were a practicing Christian before the experience. Every every Sunday, I was at church, and and afterwards, you I stopped. You stopped. Uh, Wow. I didn't. No, I didn't stop immediately. Um, See, but I think that message you just laid out is pretty much the under. I mean. It's, maybe not. Maybe not the manufactured. You know, uh, if you take the pro, you know message the that's money, out there with churches, but I think that yeah, if you get yeah. to the underlying roots of like a Judeo-Christian message, that's pretty much it. When you take the money out of church, I think that's that's what it is. But as long as there's money, there has to be somebody who gets to disseminate the information and the spirituality, mm-hmm. and they're in that position of power. If money wasn't a part of it, uh, I think it would. The, they would be preaching on love, purely love. But because money's a part of it, they want to. They kind of keep that hidden a little bit because they need you to keep coming back and they need you to keep supporting them. And I, I don't. Well, it's know. like the it's like the 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 outer veneer of structures is kind of all we see now. Yeah. Of what you know, I don't know. I think a lot of people just fail to get to the root of what you know, the, uh, the message should be, or, or message, you know, it, it's hard, it's hard to quantify exactly where, where these things go wrong, but, right. uh, you know, I, I'm not sure exactly what your background is. Like you said, you know, Christian. So I would assume, well, you know, some type of Protestantism in the United States, um, or Catholicism or, well, um, you know, I was kind of the same. It was the church uh, that I belonged to. It was like, a they were called Church of Christ, but it was very like non-denominational. I I was mm-hmm. I was not dogmatic, and um, I was already kind of becoming uh, disenfranchised. Prior, mm-hmm. uh, I think that I mean that might be a part of the reason why psychedelics sounded like a good idea. Um, I mean, I've and I've always had doubts and questions, not of the idea of a god, and that's another thing I just want to point out there. Uh, I think. Uh, you can analyze it. You can try to be as intellectual as you want to. But once you have the psychedelic experience, I'm sorry. I think you're going to believe in God. <laughs> uh, I, you, you don't have to call so you, it. So you still believe in... You don't have in, to call it that. You don't have to. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't think God is a, uh, is a cosmic male figure, as Alan Watts says. I believe that God is... The mat, the overall energetic field of the universe. I I truly believe that's what God is. The, and, the structure of reality. Yeah, and look, man, I'm energy, and you're energy. Uh, everything around us is made out of out of energy. That's all there is. I mean, if if you really mm. strip away the layers and the ideas of materialism, all there is is energy, and that never dies energy doesn't die it just transfers think about it when what is like the number one characteristic you hear about god uh they say uh god is eternal he never dies and he's omnipresent he's everywhere all the time Mm -hmm. oh wait a second that kind of sounds exactly what i just described this Mm -hmm. this overall uh all-encompassing energetic field i don't believe that god has a 
has a role as a leader or as a punisher or as a person who sets rules. I don't think, I don't even think God has like well, a consciousness it on, in the It depends ways. on the context of how you think about it, right? Well, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I guess it's technically like if God the is the energetic field, he does have rules because it's the rules mm -hmm. on which the universe mm -hmm. works. But I mm -hmm. just don't mean there's no dogma. And I think dogma is where religions got it wrong. Um, oh, 100%. You can, you can, um, you can come up with your uh, parables, your uh, metaphors for what this energetic field is. That's, I'm totally fine with that. But when you start saying, um, even though you've just uh, given a like human-esque identity to this energetic field, once you start saying that that identity thinks that uh, anyone doesn't belong and like people need to be saved and things like that I think you've you're you're going in the wrong direction and you're you're missing yeah. you're missing the point you're missing it agreed yeah I think you touched on a lot of interesting points there in the because I mean it's just hard to explain where people kind of diverged well first of all I think we kind of lose touch with like what what actually are we reading what actually are we what rules what are these rules that we're abiding by and like you said you know we start manifesting some type of god and some you know like you said you know a male cosmic figure um well that there are reasons why i i feel like people attributed these things to a god or to god in the past and you know they might have been sophisticated ideas um but here we are looking at it, you know, 5,000 years later, 2,000 years later, depending on, you know, what, what time frame you want to look at. Yeah. And we just kind of don't understand the type of uh, phenomenology that they're they're using. You know, that's like there's kind of an interesting reason why God would be, you know, male because um, a male representation kind of represents these sophisticated ideas like you know, uh, let's say culture or um, cert certain things that a masculine presence can, you know, and, and in, the, in the opposite turn, there's a lot of manifestations of God that are, are feminine and yeah, those yeah. have, and those have a, uh, an interesting component as well. So, and so many, so often in trip reports you hear about, you know, the feminine earth spirit. So I you know. have an idea. How about we start a new religion where God is transgendered? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think there's a duality to to what a proper representation representation of God. Yeah. At yeah. least the God that exists here on on Earth, because Earth, you know, is such a feminine spirit. And yeah. if you, I, I'm I'm a huge uh, Jordan Peterson. Uh, same person absolutely so so you if if you're familiar with his uh he talks about a lot about the mesopotamian creation myths mm -hmm. you know so you have this kind of yin and yang representation of tiamat and absu you know the uh where kind of tiamat is like the the chaos god or or pre-god almost and they're locked in this embrace um where and and he invokes it if you you know in his introduction to Genesis, you know, chaos and order. So order is the masculine representation, whereas Tiamat is the feminine, chaotic 
creation of all things, the water of earth, right? Um, the you know salt water, and uh, that represents all life, and they're created in this constant struggle, fighting against each other, which you know such as amazing idea and just so, so it just it's endless the amount of things you can talk about based off that one small idea it's you know you know you have culture and you have humanity kind of in this interesting interesting back and forth with the earth yeah, um yeah, absolutely. you know it's man it's uh, yeah jordan peterson can just blow your mind every 10 minutes watching his uh so you watch his, his biblical stuff, his biblical lecture series. I, yeah, oh, had, I think it's like one of the most incredible. Had you told me ten series. years ago that I would, I would spend roughly forty hours listening to somebody talk about the Book of Genesis, <laughs> I would have been like, bullshit. <laughs> I, I tried to, I tried to tell series, everyone. Man. It is, it was awesome. It is so good. It is so good to hear yeah. it broken down like that. Um, yeah, I I think I think he has a fantastic mind. Um I I I do see the argument some people are making that I think uh Jordan needs to stay in his own lane. <laughs> uh in like the human studies. He keeps venturing out into some other realms that I don't think he even if he is knowledgeable, he just doesn't have the credentials and I think he he would be better off not talking about like climate change and stuff like that. But well, the good the good thing he does, I think, is he acknowledges, you know, when he has specific amounts of expertise, and when he doesn't, um, you know, he's 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 honest about everything he says. I watched you know, him I, on the Rubin Report with Eric Weinstein, and I was blown away that like it's just so counter to how the um, how society works today. Uh, Eric Weinstein is a super intelligent man, and um, he disagrees a lot with some of Jordan Peterson's ideas. And most people, you put you put two intelligent minds in a room, and they disagree, and they bicker and argue, and nothing is learned. Maybe the viewers learn, but neither of them learn. They don't take anything away. They just come out saying, like, wow, he's an idiot, and the other guy thinks he's an idiot. And I watch this, and, like, I actually watch the podcast, and to see Jordan, like, he had so much respect for this guy and he kept getting like silenced mid sentence uh, because Eric had something like basically to teach him. And he was so receptive to it. You could see that he was learning. So having like a, a role model, like Jordan Peterson's definitely a role model of mine, but then seeing him hum humbly learning from another master, it was, it was just refreshing. Cause it's, I don't think that's something you get in today's like super political environment where, Everything is so polarized. Well, that's why that whole group, uh, you know, qu quote unquote, the intellectual dark web. That's why those guys are so amazing. I, I think for what that reason you just pointed out right there. I mean, it's like, first of all, they're all, you know, brilliant in their own ways, and then they have this kind of commonality of actually, honestly wanting to learn something from each other, right? And just having that actually represented, like you said, like, you know. Oh, you know, maybe I do have something to learn. And well, you know, 12 rules, you know, treat the person you're talking to as if they have something to teach you. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's one of the 12 rules, yeah. uh, <laughs> which, uh, 
I got to see him on tour. Oh, you did? Not that long ago. Yeah, it was, it was incredible. So I um, I am in the Ohio area, and a couple months back, Facebook advertised to me that he was going to be playing in Cincinnati. He was going to be live in Cincinnati. And, oh, my God, I saw this. And you should have saw it. My wife knows I'm like I love Jordan Peterson. I saw this ad. I jumped up. I hadn't been that excited about something in a while. I mean, I mean, I was I was bouncing. I had energy, man. And then I oh, clicked, I've got I I've got a great story for this afterwards. <laughs> keep okay. going, keep so going. I, I click this link and it takes me to like some Ticketmaster thing, and the tickets are like thirty five dollars. I'm like, holy crap, this is great. And then I I click on it and I go all the way through checkout. Turns out the um. The uh, Facebook ad had the wrong link, and that that ticket was it for something else. I didn't finish the purchase because right at the very last page, it showed me that it wasn't actually for Jordan Peterson. And then I found his on their website, and it was over $100, and I couldn't justify the purchase. And I was, like, super depressed for, like, two days because of that. Oh, that's tough. That <laughs> it was sucks. like I felt like my balloon had just deflated. <laughs> so I, so my most recent my most recent. Uh, experience a psychedelic site dropped the tab at lsd this had man this has had to have been six months ago and uh i, I don't know i just it was, it was a great day i was feeling really good um i woke up like really early for my standards which is probably like i don't know normal person working <laughs> nine, o'clock, nine, nine o'clock in the morning right. <laughs> and uh i worked out um and I was going to have the house to myself the rest of the day. And I'm like, shit, what should I do? And I'm like, man, I should really do. And sometimes I think these, you kind of like, I didn't know I was going to do a psych, you know, psychedelics that day, but like just everything, the lanes all kind of opened at the same time. And, and then all of a sudden you're like, wow, what a great idea this would be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think that's sometimes like the, the best way, like, you know, a lot of times we plan and we plan and, you know, we set aside a lot of time. It's like sometimes you just got to, like, go with the flow of, of what your brain is telling you. Right. And uh, you have one of those perfect days. And, and, and anyways, I was like, all right, I'm you know, I got these tabs that I've had left over for, I don't know, a year or six months or whatever. I'm like, I'll start with half a tab. And then I had half a tab and I had something to drink. And then I'm sitting there and about an hour later, I'm like... I feel great. I'm like, I don't know if it has anything to do with the drugs, but I'm like, you know, this is the perfect time. When am I going to get a better time? So I <laughs> took the other half of the tab and I strapped in and it was like, the, I, you know, solo uh, tripping is, is an interesting thing. It's kind of different. Uh, so different than tripping with, with, with any, any friends or any, any, any others. I mean, personally, I think it's the only way. <laughs> Really? So you're one of those like um, I'm gonna s- sit in my room and in the dark, or are <laughs> you like doing or doing something? Maybe doing something. Even doing something on your own. See, I'm just I have, I struggle with like uh, I mean I definitely I've done it solo a couple times, um, but I feel like the social setting is is really nice. Um, depending, I mean you you got to be with somebody you're really comfortable with. Or, or or people you're really comfortable with. Um, yeah, yeah. People so you like, can trust. Yeah. And it's great. Like, I think for th- those experiences kind of lend themselves to, to, I would say, like a bonding experience. Yeah. Because so, it's almost, you know, we say trip, but it it is kind of like a journey. 
like condensed into like a six hour experience or eight hour experience. And you kind of feel like you've accomplished something together afterwards in some weird way. And it definitely brings you closer with those, those people, if you, you know, um, which I, I think is an amazing, amazing thing. Um, so I'm doing this solo trip in the morning and I'm having a great time. <laughs> the last couple of times I've, I kind of always, uh, get stuck. I would say, um, you mean like in a thought loop, not, not in a thought loop, but, uh, in just a mode of action. Um, you know, it's like, I don't really, typically I'm conf- I confine myself to the house or, or whatnot. And, and I have roommates. So while I know consciously that, you know, I, 99 times out of 100 i'm going to be on my own um i still kind of you know don't want to be uh naked in the living room at (laughs) three o'clock and have somebody come home so (laughs) you know i'm like all right you know i I, i've got these realms that i can explore and uh i'm pretty free to do that but you know anything could happen because you know the the day that you're you know tripping (laughs) tripping your brain out, out on LSD is the day that your roommate comes home in a panic at one o'clock and some emergency is happening. So <laughs> try to avoid that at all costs. Um, so I kind of, what I, what I get stuck in is I get, I strap my headphones in and then I start watching YouTube videos Okay. and cause you can just endlessly explore anything at that point. And like, so the last the first time I, I did this, I discovered ASMR. Have, do you, have you ever done ASMR, hon? <laughs> <laughs> no, I have not. That is a weird thing to discover when you're, <laughs> you're into an LSD trip, let me tell you. Um, that is a rabbit hole that you, if you have no conception of what that is before you're going into it, um, your life is going to be different. <laughs> <laughs> it's like one of the strangest YouTube communities, um, but super cool in a funny way. Man, to be an early adopter of that. Yeah, I don't even know, man, what these kids are doing. <laughs> and there's like a million and one people on YouTube doing it now. Yeah. And some of it is like the strangest thing. Like, because it's all very oddly sexual. Right. Um, even though everybody's like, wait, no, this isn't sexual at all. But I'm doing ASMR when I'm dressed as a French maid. And <laughs> it's like, all right, whatever. <laughs> um, but this most recent time, I, I would say it had to have been like four and so i'm probably if i'm not at the peak i'm really close to it and uh i think i watched a complete hour and a half lecture of one of the 12 rules (laughs) one of the 12 rules tour i forget which one it specifically was but i think it was just him lecturing at a college uh jordan jordan lecturing at college and uh he started you know, he, he has these moments where he starts getting into some subject really deeply or getting into something that has some personal meaning for him. And he uh, starts to break down. Uh, and it's like you kind of, when, you, when you're actually hearing it sober, sometimes he just kind of builds and builds and builds and builds and builds. But when it's kind of snuck in so quickly to me in my altered state, and before I knew it, I was just like weeping. Wow. So I'm sitting there listening to Jordan Peterson and like my mind's being blown by all the like intense stuff, <laughs> intense ideas he's 
he's manifesting and then all of a sudden like he has this emotional experience and i'm like right there with him i'm like weeping right i'm like god like because i'd already i was already pretty familiar with this stuff at that point but i don't think i'd really dived head into it mm-hmm. and then i had that like such an emotional reaction to and i'm you know it's it's pretty amazing that i could actually sit there and listen to an hour and a half lecture on acid um in the first place um so for something to grip me that much and be that interesting to me i think is a testament to uh to his engageability well, you know, um, not only can these things make you a more open person but for me personally but i think it's probably i think it's universal i think psychedelics make you a more empathetic person oh yeah and especially while you're under them i mean definitely after but while well, i think they yeah. i think they say it can like the uh, trade trade openness on the uh you know the uh the five trait system that that uh he works from as a personality yeah. psychologist i think it it can it can a a, a, psych, a profound psychedelic experience especially the first one can change your trait openness by two standard deviations that's what right. they say yeah. is what jordan i think that's what his his quote or his statistic yeah yeah if i'm if i'm correct with yeah, that I one believe, which, i believe that's that's what i've heard of oh yeah well. and the studies they're doing now um out of, out of the big universities i think it's johns hopkins if i'm not yeah there's John Hopkins in America, and then uh, the Imperial College in the UK. Yeah, they're they're coming out with a lot of a lot of interesting data. Like, uh, I think it's John Hopkins with the uh, psilocybin yes. trips, and a lot of the data they have, and a lot of the the uh, manual uh, the communication they get back from people say it's like the most meaning, even even like a substandard, you know, by probably by our measurements or by the, by the psychologist measurements, a substandard trip is still like one of the handful of profound experiences and that are most meaningful experiences in that individual's life, even like two years later after the trip, which is like incredible. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you have to, you have to implement, uh, without the implementation, you're not going to, have such a lasting effect but when you can when you can um incorporate the things you saw and the things you learned it, i mean i think it can change you for a very long time i actually found um the procedures and protocols uh like pdf for how the um, trip sitters were uh engaging people for the john hopkins studies and i read through it, it was like 65 pages but I read, wow. I read through it, and then I recently had, uh, trip sat a friend of mine for his first um, – uh, it wasn't shrooms, but it was for acetoxydimethyltryptamine, which is, for all intents and purposes, is synthetic shrooms. Uh, most people would agree that it pretty much is the same thing as psilocybin. Really? Um, it's called psilocetin, but when, it, when it's metabolized, uh, it just – does pretty much the same thing and similar, similar length of time as well yeah yeah um i gave him uh an equivalent dosage uh of this chemical to uh an eighth of shrooms and 
Yeah, he was he was under for about I'd say six and a half hours. So you followed the the guidelines in the the yeah. same guidelines they're working off of with the uh, Johns Hopkins, yeah. which I think sound in principle from what I've heard of them really smart. Yes, yes, and that's like what, uh, it wasn't especially like, in the trip management aspect. It was there like they had a lot of rules, but in actual application. You don't do a whole lot. I set a playlist for him of uh, some music that was meaningful to him um, mm-hmm. that carried like significant weight to him, not not just music that he enjoyed. Uh, and you know, I prepared the room to be very gentle and loving. I uh, was there if at any time he he needed anything. Um, but other than that, it, I I wasn't like questioning him or anything like that. During was this this was his first first experience? It's his only so far. Wow. Um but uh he he had a he had a strong experience and he couldn't even talk about it afterwards for a few days. Like um uh, I don't th- he hasn't explained it in the most profound ways, but I'm sure it was profound because he was just in a different place for a little bit afterwards. Um, honestly, I was, I was nervous as hell the whole time because he was not, uh, like every couple of hours I'd try to give him some water and stuff. He wasn't responding to me at all. (laughs) Uh, I couldn't, I couldn't get a word out of him. He didn't, he didn't say a word for six and a half hours. He didn't say, he didn't utter a word. Uh, he he never, he never cried or whimpered. He, he hardly moved. He, he sat up on my uh, couch with uh, his hoodie hood over his eyes and like, like halfway through, I was like, all right, man, I I really want you to drink some water. And all all he did was he gave me a thumbs up (laughs) and he didn't talk and he didn't drink the water. (laughs) He just gave me a thumbs up telling me that he was good. So I just, I just (laughs) let him be, you know? It's a lot of, a lot of non-verbals. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going back. That's like, I would say like a regression a little bit to like a childlike state. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Sounds like that's interesting. I've never had I've never had an experience that. Uh, they can certainly say... take your language. Maybe not. I wouldn't say you usually are going to be without language the whole time, but I think there has been a part of every trip I've ever been on where I lost the ability to make coherent sentences. That that that's interesting. I don't know if it, maybe. I've never gone the like heroic dosage route, so that could be why. Right. For me, I've never had that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> those doses, uh, yeah, they so they, they do something else, man. Yeah, I've I've never <laughs> sought to open that door all the way. <laughs> Maybe it's probably because I've never had a situation like you laid out where I had a really free and open environment. Like you know, there's always for me, there's always like the possibility of you know a semi-open environment like right right i don't i don't know and especially like you know you always have that thing in the back like i've never had it a trip sitter um if i'm doing something on my own or you kind of always when you have the chance to be completely isolated or completely free of any intervention that's always a lot more so reassuring well, when you get into that heroic territory and when you're alone, uh, I still agree that there's no such thing as a bad trip. 
but that is where you get challenged beyond comfort. Uh, mm-hmm. Anytime I've I've gone too far, I I mean, there's before the ego is totally dis like disillusioned before it it's gone, um, but when they, when I feel it ripping, I always start thinking. I mean, every time I wish I could go back. I wish I wish I didn't mm-hmm. do this. And after the after the experience, I'm always glad that it happened. But in the experience, I would... I, there's always something of of uh, total like I mean fear. I mean it's it's mm-hmm. the most profound fear I've ever experienced. I mean it's like existential fear. It's it's like yeah. Um, I don't. Will, will I ever be the same after will, this? Yeah, will I be the same after that? That's how I <laughs> the, would say it. Um, the right question. The right question should be: Do I want to be the same after this? Well, here's the thing. Um, <laughs> just so, just in my own personal experience, and I'm not. This is not a, a recommendation or a or a prescription for any anyone else. But in my experience, uh, you are basically the same afterwards. I don't. It doesn't really matter how far out you go. Uh, at least for me, even though sometimes you feel like you've absolutely lost your mind and you're not going to make it back, you always end up waking up that next day after the experience, and I'm like, "Oh wow, I'm <laughs> I'm back to you know baseline. Like I feel I feel like myself again." And when you forget what feeling like yourself even is, when you forget what that experience is of being yourself, God. Like you don't know if you're gonna come if you can come back to something that you don't even remember what it's like. That's that's how far that well, that's what the heroic dose does. You get to a point where you're like, I don't remember what it's like to not be in this state. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's scary. Uh, but it's also like it's scary being there, but it's also scary thinking about going back because you go, I can't remember what it was like. I'm not sure if I want to go back because. What if that's not good? What if this is the good experience? <laughs> but trust me, every time I have come back, I've always been relieved. <laughs> <laughs> grateful, grateful to be back to yes, yes. Our seg- our segment of reality. Yes, <laughs> it definitely gives you appreciation uh, for the mundane. When you go when you go mm-hmm. really far out, it makes the mundane just seem so comfortable. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would, I would kind of agree and kind of disagree at the same time. Yeah. Like, I think you definitely, like, you're never, well, not 900, you know, 99.999% of people, I would think, aren't going to have some kind of profound personality shift off of their first experience. Um, but, I mean, it, I, I feel like you, you can, if you take anything meaningful from any experience, you've you've changed yeah absolutely. is my, my way i would frame it um so even if it's a small thing like like i think what you the, the change that you outlined from from your first experience i would i would say that's a huge shift um where you kind of reconceptualized you you so it sounds to me like you sort of reconceptualized your whole spiritual reality i did i did um and i would say that's i mean pretty ground breaking stuff well, I mean, for somebody in the christian faith and that's what it is it's a faith it's like it's so faith-based it's like a 
it's it the religion itself is just about trust or faith it's like these things are true because they're true i was told they're true i read they're true they're true i believe it but like you're just tell you're just telling yourself you believe it you don't have any mm-hmm. experience to really make you believe it i don't care what you say I mean, mm-hmm. I've heard some kooky stories in church, even like oh, yeah. when I was very faithful to the religion, I've heard some things where I'm just like, bullshit, bullshit detectors just start going <laughs> off like crazy. Like fucking, you know, uh, pastor says I was really struggling and uh, somebody just, sh- someone, a stranger showed up at my house with a truck full of groceries or... Um, we didn't we didn't have any money but we still paid our ties and then we checked the bank account and there was $500 in there bullshit there it goes <laughs> ding, ding 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 the fucking alarms are going off that is fucking bullshit that never fucking happened you're a liar it, if it you dropped say, out it dropped down from the heavens you say shit like that you're a fucking liar <laughs> god no wonder like if if you are in a church right now, I don't care if you're a Christian, that's fine. But if your pastor has ever said a story like that to you, please find a better church because he's fucking lying to you. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's there's there's a lot of people out there that that uh, you know aren't, aren't as honest as they should be. Yeah. Know? So then when I had this first experience, this it was no longer about faith. Faith wasn't required. You don't have to have faith to believe something you've felt and seen mm-hmm. when you've never truly felt it or you've never truly seen it. You have to have faith to believe that something's real. You have to have faith that Santa's real because you haven't fucking seen Santa, but well, that's why psychedelics are so powerful because but, they're, they're so tangible. Yeah, they're, they are like, you can't tell me that experience. There's wasn't a, ta- real. a tangible representation of uh, the spiritual realm. Absolutely. And I mean, it was a full blown experience. I had sight. I had smell. I had taste. I had every one of my senses. As well as a sixth sense of the communication with the uh, transcendent. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I was totally dialed in to the experience of the spirit. And Mm. like, yeah. I, that, that, I feel like that's going to change somebody. Um, but I guess it kind of just depends on how skeptical you are. Because some people are going to... The intellectual part of their brain is going to snap back after a trip and try to fight back against that. And I don't... I just didn't. Um, I was like, wow. I'm, I just liked it. I liked it a lot. When I came out of it, I was like, man, that's something I can I can hang my hat on. This is This is an idea that jives with me and i i could go the rest of my life uh with this idea of what the spiritual realm is yeah well, i don't know if i've yet to meet someone that's had the opposite experience where they yeah. say oh well i've had this experience but let's put that off in a box and not well, think I, about it i have i, I have <laughs> you have so, i have oh, somebody I, who's done not, that. i don't know how you can, you can do that i mean because <sighs> they're they're not being authentic to themselves man yeah you're not you, you're not really search you're not searching your uh your true uh, you're not you're not digging deep enough into the origin of your feelings i think yeah yeah so I, th- I think that's the hard part about most trips is they really if there's something you've been ignoring or there's something you've been putting off in the recesses of your mind like that's the first thing that's going to come up 
So there, and if you don't want to deal with that, you're going to have a bad time. Yeah. So there's a uh, there's a phenomenon that happens in churches that um, makes people believe in the whole, the entire message of the church. But this phenomenon uh, is it just happens. It just happens. You don't have to be in a church for this to happen. But when when you're like singing songs and they you can relate to the song and um, you're kind of in an emotional state. You you get chills, you get goosebumps, mm-hmm. hair on the back of your neck stands up. Now mm-hmm. the the church literally will tell you that that's the presence of that's God. The spirit. Yeah. Um, and you know, I don't think they're wrong. It's just they're not being totally honest. And well, so, you're 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 framing it in a, uh, a dishonest way. Yeah. So, well, that's that's kind of the whole thing with uh, I would say modern religion you you know you kind of lost sight of the honest representation of right, the experience right. completely so when i when i got back from my first trip um music became so much more i mean i love i've always been a uh, i just love music i love it but it became so much more profound to me and oh, yeah. um i mean i can remember being at work just doing my job and listening to uh, the Animals album by Pink Floyd, and I'm telling you the whole time I was I was like on the edge of crying. My hairs on my arms were standing straight up. I felt light as a feather, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm touch. I'm connecting to God right now, and I'm not doing it in a way where I'm like directly worshiping some entity like like I used to do in church." Like it totally yeah. had nothing to do with God, yet it was God. Like that experience is connecting to the that energetic field, um, and now music in general is just so spiritual to me. I mean, as long as as long as it's good music and it has, good music, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it has meaning to me. Um, well, I think music is the best representation we have for a proper structure of reality. I th- you think that's where it comes from, music, though, right? mathematics. I think so. It's like such a deep experience, and it's like a really the heart of what a human experience is, for whatever reason. Yeah, I think I, maybe maybe we've just been doing it for so long. Right. Maybe it's so ingrained in us as like a as as a pseudo spiritual activity, or you know, I know they. It's like the 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 patterned representation of proper harmony of existence, I think, is what it is. Yeah. Um, where you know, it, it, like uh, whenever I listen to classical music, that's that's the intuition I get. Right. Like, uh, it's it's one of those things that almost inevitably will be one of the first things I do into a psychedelic trip. I'll, I'm going to open some Bach or Beethoven or right. something. And, and I, and I'll just like revel in, in the complexity. And, yeah, yeah. and I'm just like, why, why don't, why aren't there famous composers of the 21st century that we listen to on a daily basis? Um, orchestral, We've you know, orchestral orchestras. And I know there's, there's plenty of, uh, classical uh composers that are around you know yeah, but they just yeah. they aren't celebrated like they were there aren't these icons uh well of music that that music, they used to be 
music today is just so materialism. It's so materialistic. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's fucking, it's like an advertisement listening to modern mm-hmm. music, music that's made today. Uh, not that all music made today is that, but what's well, shallow, what is, what is allowed to be shared? Like, Good music today is not allowed to be disseminated. They don't put it on the radio. That's for damn sure. Um, and yeah, so it's like it it has ulterior motives. It's not the spiritual thing at all. It's like to help propel Dis- along disconnected, disconnecting from the spirit. Yeah, it, it, I mean it's intense. So what? So what would it be? It's intentional. You know what I mean? It's like. The mu- music today is trying to disconnect you from the spirit. It's trying to make you more. I think there's a. I think there's a lot of things like that in our world that we've constructed. Yeah. That yeah. see, I mean, just think about the. Think about the. The illegality of psychedelic drugs in itself. I mean. Oh, crime against see, humanity, you dude. It, 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 I agree, a hundred percent. And people look at me like I'm insane when I talk about this. Like. No, just just for one second, think about the immense amount of dangerous drugs that are at our daily disposal that no one bats an eye about, and yet psilocybin mushrooms and LSD is illegal and Schedule One, right? In this, in well, in the United States at least. How many people? And it's just mind blowing. How many it's absolutely people have taken three scoops of a pre-workout powder and had a heart attack? Yeah, you could. Uh, people die all the time from caffeine overdose. It's crazy. Alcohol. I mean, alcohol is just. Yeah. I love alcohol. I mean, I, I honestly, like, it's, you know, I'm, I'm a bartender. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love alcohol. But it, uh, it's I love drinking it. The worst um, offender. But it's horrible for you. It's horrible yeah. for you. And it's horrible for your long term psyche. If you abuse it long term, I mean, you're, it's horrible for your liver. Um, I mean, jeez. And yet here it is. It's like everybody does it all the time. And no one cares. Often every day. No one cares. No, no one cares. And yet, I mean, who's ever, you know, you could probably count on your hand the number of people that, out. I would say outside of uh, psychological damage, which we still don't really have any good data for, you know, Yeah. as, as far as, really determining what's the root of the issue. I mean, some people say, well, with psychedelics, some people say that it's just, you're, you're opening a door to something that was already there, you know, underlying issues that had been exacerbated or, but everybody has a story about someone who lost their mind on psychedelics and no one has any freaking evidence. I've never, yeah. sounds like myths to me. I've I've heard so many of them. It's like, well, I know what's this guy's name. (laughs) Can I write him a letter? (laughs) And I know Ham- Hamilton Morris says his best friend lost his mind. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I do know it. I, but look at him. I mean, he's <laughs> he he didn't he didn't let that deter him from being. I mean, I think he's like amazing. I I totally agree with his message. Uh, I I don't think there's such a thing as a bad drug, but drugs yeah. are. You you, you sound thing. like you're very similar to his point of view when it comes to drugs I, and I, a very I, I sort believe... of semi clinical. I believe like, all drugs should be decriminalized. I don't think... Well, I'm with, with you there. But I, I don't think that there should be no rules. Like, I don't think everyone should just be allowed to use heroin willy-nilly. But mm-hmm. 
heroin. Well, it's is, not. It's certainly not a good idea. But heroin is not it evil. Be allowed. It's a. It's a. It comes from a plant. It's not evil. Mm. I don't. I don't have any desire to use heroin or opiates at all. But it's 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 the abuse that we. Yes. Have. Well, he he has a great point of view where he. It's all he says. Everything is different in the contextual circumstances. You know, so like abuse of. PCP in the United States in our subculture is so different than these people that use PCP here and have a completely different perception of it. Right. Um, like kind of the sociocultural effects that drugs have on your, like the psychological pre-existing notion that you have on it. Yeah, everything like, you've ever think, heard about a drug makes the drug mm-hmm. experience different. Absolutely, uh, and the the lulls. What's your ex- the lulls your expectations? Drugs. Yeah, when 100%, for sure, when everyone in America knows that heroin uh, is evil. Everyone knows that you're gonna have an overdose and die. You're gonna get addicted from your very first use. Um, well, when you know these things, it's very unlikely that you're gonna get a different result when you use it, right? Because mm. you know that's how it is. You just know it. It's not even like you don't even question it. You just know. Yeah, that's it. That's how it is. But that's just because that's the agreed upon uh, idea of what this substance is here. Uh, and it's not like that everywhere. Uh, I, I just think um, decriminalization is the first step, I think. Um, once people stop going to jail for uh, changing their consciousness, altering their states of consciousness, then the public... Uh, perception of the chemicals can can start to yeah. evolve as well um I, th- I think we're finally at that at that turning point and i'm yeah. kind of i'm kind of stingy because uh i only enjoy psychedelics so like kind of i don't really care if it goes past that <laughs> if psychedelics are the only one that gets this free pass I'm not going to be upset, but I do think that all drugs should be decriminalized. But like, yeah, you shouldn't, you shouldn't get yourself wrapped up in a, in an addiction to a chemical, uh, that takes you away from functioning, uh, being, uh, yeah, we don't, we don't want to be like brave new world or at least, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, everybody's just high on Soma yeah, forever instead of existing. Right. But how, hey, how do we know that's free, not what's going on, though? It's supposed to. It's supposed to be a free country, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's the freest, ain't it? Well, I mean, I, I you know, I would never go so far to say it. it's, it's not. Um, it's great. I mean, you know, living here is amazing. Yeah. In the Western world, in general, um, but definitely we got that wrong in the, <laughs> well, in the seventies, I guess, sixties, seventies. Yeah. They had it. They had it right. You know. I think it's just a, it was an overreaction to the to the psychedelic uh, revolution of the sixties. Yeah, counterculture. Yeah, and well, these people are like, they, "Whoa, we got we got to put a stop to this craziness." They made a mistake. Uh, they did. They made a mistake. The government um, was scared, obviously, because people were basically telling them that we're not. They like Rage Against well, the Machine the, says. Yeah. They said, "Fuck you! I won't do what you tell me." That's basically <laughs> what they were saying. And it's like, well, come on, society has to have rules, but as long if you can, if if you can, you know, be a part of society, and still, you, uh, 
you can have your fun. So if you like LSD, you can use LSD, but you're still a member of society and you're still going to follow our rules. But they were basically, yeah, they were saying no, like we're not going to follow we break, rules. We want to break down society. And that's that was the mistake. Because you hear this all the time from, from uninformed people that like, uh, we want to overthrow the government because it's corrupt. Like, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, there's a lot of corruption in the government, but you don't understand how bad things are going to get without this. Oh, yeah. That corruption that you you hate so much keeps you safe. Uh, it mm-hmm. allows you to have some, like, relative uh, freedom, some aspect of a, of a good life. That if, if we didn't have rules and a structure, trust me— <laughs> You would not be having a good life. You wouldn't. I would, I would say that's a complete, uh, complete loss of perspective on on our side or on you know an individual side. Because I mean, all those things you said are so true. Like, yeah, you want to you want to anarchy and you want to overthrow the government. Well, the you... next government, the next government's going to come in and take power. And yeah, who, well... who do you think that's going to be? Do you think it's going to be a is that going to be a, a a benefit? You know, a what's a good word? Like a benevolent <laughs> dictator that's going to take military control of this country after yeah. the, you've over, after you've overthrown the old guard? It's like no, and, man. And if it, <laughs> it's and not going to be good. If that didn't happen, and your idea of anarchy came through, well, how how much how long are you going to enjoy not having power? Have you mm. ever lived without power for an extended amount of time? Because without these fucking rules, people mm-hmm. people aren't just going to happily go to work and do their thing. You know, the, the rules of society are what makes the engine turn. And when the lights go out and you can't cook your food unless you know how to cook on a fire and yeah, like it's going to be hell to pay. You don't get what you're doing. You don't understand the implications of these ideas. I um, think that's also that I, if I had to pick a single danger to psychedelics i would say in that vein that the more you do certain types of psychedelics the more the well it's almost like it's it's almost like a double-sided sword it's like you 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 become more open to experiences you also become a lot more susceptible to bad ideas <laughs> right so you know a certain bad idea can a bad idea can take you and, and and completely wrap your psyche, and then and then what? You know, yeah, it's great if the idea that hits you is that we're all one and and love is love is the greatest thing in the universe because that's I think true in some sort in some in some deep way. Yes. But what if the idea is 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 one of the bad is a, is that this. Uh, rule of law that we live by is the worst thing ever and that you should be off doing some obscure weird thing with some <laughs> i can't think of you know some type of cult-like behavior right um that people often get gripped by and that make no sense to us when we're looking at it rationally but you know you've become so open to any idea now all of a sudden something comes along and sweeps you up and it may not be a positive thing that's yeah. the, I think that's the biggest inherent danger right. to psychedelics, which would be, I would say, completely counter to what most people would say is the dangers to them. Well, here's kind but, of uh, uh, an example of a psychedelic world um, would be Burning Man, which I've never been. Mm-hmm. But like, 
you know, it, here's this weekend where you are like off the grid. You're outside of society. You don't have the rules. There, are, but they even this group has their rules because guess what? There's always fucking rules. Somebody's making some rules. <laughs> uh, but that's a cool idea. That's a cool weekend. Yeah, everybody agrees like we're gonna live this way for a weekend. But you guys don't you don't get it when you when this is just the way of life forever. Like really? You think it's boring real fast. Oh my god. I don't want to live out in the fucking dust for I want to take take a shower. How about that? (laughs) Oh my god. Are are showers so meaningful to you as they as as they are to me? Oh yeah. They're like the highlight of my life. There's nothing better than a shower after you've been tripping for ten hours. You're like, oh god, I'm filthy. <laughs> There's nothing better than a shower at all, regardless of tripping. I woke up this like, morning and I was like, I have to do a podcast, but I sure as hell ain't doing it without taking a nice hot shower. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I love showers, dude. They feel great. It, they give my life meaning. Well, the simple things have meaning. Yes. All um, of a sudden, when you take a different perspective. And so, like the other night. Uh, wasn't last night it was the night before last um so i've had this shift in my personality through taking psychedelics but uh i've i at the same time that i started taking psychedelics i started meditating and i started therapy and i i go to therapy every week Um, Uh, those those are big men and because i so i Psychedelics made me realize that I compartmentalized a lot of stuff. Um, and I wanted to work through those. And I, I didn't just think, well, I need to take more. Take more. Up the dose because that's how I'm going to work through this stuff. No, I wanted to go and talk to somebody because if I can't, uh, if I can't work through any of this stuff in uh, a sober headspace, then what good is it? Because mm-hmm. the majority of the time I'm going to be in a sober headspace. Uh, so I think that's an important thing for people to know is that this is, this is the majority of your time is this sober state. Mm -hmm. So you need to figure out how to navigate life in that state. That's right. Don't try to find all the answers while you're high because you're not high most of the time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But, um, so through therapy, uh, I realized that, yeah, I had compartmentalized a lot of stuff and I have issues. Like I said, I have some problems with anger, but I also realized um, that a lot of my my misery was from I I focused self created. It was self created because I was so focused on the next great thing, the future, uh, always with plans and so. But the thing is, because I lived in the future, I wasn't present. I also mm-hmm. I didn't think like I did. I wasn't lost in thought all the time, um, and like at night I could go to bed like like the flip of a switch. If I put my head on the pillow, I just fall right asleep. So wow. now I'm much happier than I used to be because I've brought myself into the present. But in the present, my mind is much more alert. And meditation is super important to me now because it's, it is my quiet time for my own thoughts. But at night, my, my brain just starts going. And if I don't meditate, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be up a lot longer than I plan to because my mind is just like thinking. Um, that's a, that's a, that's an interesting shift. But so oh. the other night, me and my wife were talking while my mind was racing. Normally, I just let it race, but then I was just you know spitting these things out to her and you know getting feedback from her. And uh, one of the things that I realized 
is that something that I failed to do in the past and still do pretty often is, and I think everybody needs to do this. I I think this is highly, highly uh, important for um, creating happiness and contentness. Um, You need to imagine how bad things could get. Uh, And you might think that you know how bad things can get, but I mean set aside some time uh, and regularly, maybe not every day, but I'd say at least once a week. Give yourself a little chunk of time, maybe 20 minutes, and really just close your eyes and let yourself truly, truly imagine how bad things could be. Because, like, yeah, I have my difficulties through my day, but... Let's let's go one layer down. Well, I could be slightly poorer than I am, so I would lose some of the luxuries I have. Well, that wouldn't be good. Then I wouldn't be as happy as I am. Uh, but then we could take away uh, financial security entirely, and now I can't afford to eat. Well, now I'm, I'm, I'm basically just eating scraps, and I'm eating junk, and nothing nutritious or of value is entering my system. And now I'm really miserable. Now I'm I'm having a really hard time being happy. But still, that's that's not that bad because I could be homeless. And like, wow, I, I really can't imagine what it would be like to be homeless because I never have been there. But you should try though. Yeah, it's, but worth, it's worth trying. Through <laughs> through trying to imagine it, it it gave me a lot of uh, um, appreciation for the fact that I'm not. And then I thought, wait, being homeless in America probably isn't even that bad compared to fucking not having anywhere to live in the fucking plains of the Savannah or something, you know, like (laughs) you or the Serengeti where you could get eaten at any time and you're in constant fear. It could always be worse. And don't just say that. Don't just think, well, yeah, it could be worse. Really, really really examine that because you get so much perspective and it allows you to appreciate what you do have. And I'm telling you, a lot uh, people listening to the sound of my voice right now probably have it a lot worse than I do. I'm sure they do. I've got a pretty decent life and I I have no reason to complain. Um, But I bet they still have it a lot better than they realize. And you just need to spend a little bit of time thinking about how much worse it could be. I promise you, this exercise, <laughs> this exercise c- could change your life. Just, just do it. Just try it. It's fantastic. Yeah, I think that's like, that's really, really, really important. That kind of perspective of and gratefulness that you can divine from your. I mean, we all in this. I would say ninety nine point nine percent of people if you're living here in the united states or you're living in any other developed or western country i mean it's just the life that we have here is (laughs) unimaginable to somebody who lived 100 years ago not only technologically but just the things that we have at our disposal and at our fingertips every day we just imagine putting amazon prime into 1850s america i mean it's just (laughs) fucking incredible Imagine, you know, in the Middle Ages, like literally everything I could ever desire will be delivered to me in two, two days. days, free shipping. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like pretty absurd. And, and then and we have the, credit cards. You don't even have to be able to afford the thing that you want. You're like, fuck it, I'm just gonna buy it anyway. <laughs> the and and the the true absurdity is that there are people that think that somehow this is 
evil incarnate and that we should bring down the society as a whole to that just like, blows my mind like you know what really that you can you can become so resentful towards your existence and towards this society yeah. just uh, does there's no rationale for me i think I, you've completely disconnected with what's real as a human i think one of the biggest complaints i hear from an american uh would be that they're bored <laughs> <laughs> you're that, bored because you don't really like, you don't have don't, any real have you ever problems. heard of the internet you just don't have it's any like, real problems if you're bored you don't have a real problem and congrats, well, I think, I think congratulations a, i think that's the biggest pro i, I think that's the, one of the biggest problems i was listening to uh uh one of the older are you familiar with uh jocko willink i'm not he's a uh an ex-navy seal and he's uh become i would say like he's got he's got a book called extreme ownership it's it's amazing if you okay. want to check it out okay. and uh basically what he did after he got out of he was a naval a navy seal officer um and he you know was a commander during uh iraq and afghanistan and when he got back to the united states he ended up uh what he would do is he would go to companies and teach them about leadership okay. and uh with all of his experience but he was he has a podcast now and he has like uh i would say he fits into the uh the joe rogan tim ferris model of you know uh, having interesting people on the podcast and uh talking about hard subjects right and he was just like uh, i was listening yesterday he's just like people don't have th the sorts of problems anymore that are, are real you know it's like if 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 the internet if wi-fi going out is your biggest problem during the day you know and, and that it just ruins your day what ex <laughs> where exactly are we you know you're not actually dealing in a, in a rational headspace um if the wireless internet is your biggest struggle um, for the day. You know, it's, a, it's a testament to the society we built, I guess. I've um, definitely had times in my life where I've let something as trivial as that ruin my day, for sure. There's there's a comedian that has a, I forget, it might be it might be Rogan actually. There's a comedian he has an amazing bit about a uh, Wi uh, Wi-Fi on the airplane. <laughs> it's like, you know, Wi-Fi on. <laughs> you're, you're you're flying across the country on a. Uh, <laughs> A, a fly a flying vehicle you and are, uh it's a miracle what's happening it's a right miracle now. that it's you're actually miracle. traveling and yet there's a guy in the third row that's like com completely pissed off that the wi-fi is not working today like oh fuck this thing <laughs> you are in <laughs> the break, sky man. motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> like yeah it's just bananas like completely beyond comprehension that's such a good visualization like, guy, he wants his he wants his flight refund because there's no <laughs> wi-fi on uh, the airplane uh, well, I'm, so, <laughs> I'm sorry that uh you you could have taken horse and buggy you know, <laughs> you know? yeah you could have you could have went from san francisco to la five hours no it's like six days <laughs> yeah. if you're well, six days in like <laughs> In a car, like I wouldn't even imagine what is it going to be like a month in, in, in a on horseback or some shit. <laughs> yeah, if you don't and, die from dysentery. Yeah, exactly. The Oregon Trail. Yeah. You know, you have to ford the river. Yeah, it's, <laughs> people can really um, 
lose sight of the big picture. Um, I think that's that's just come, to bring this back around full circle. I just think that's something that psychedelics can give you back. I'm not saying that. Uh, but you you made a really good point where. And I think this is one of the integral parts of the uh, Johns Hopkins research. It's not you can have the revelation in the moment of your psychedelic experience, but the really important part is integrating the experience into your everyday life. Yes, and that's where that's where the big changes are going to come. Mm-hmm. If you can if you can relate your your profound experience and actually work through it on a day to day basis and continue with the continue with the insights that you've gained through your psychedelic revelation and really work on it every day in a meaningful, meaningful way and integrate that into your psyche, then you're really going to start to, you're really going to start to be dangerous. I mean, that's, that's where the, the big changes are going to come and the the really big shifts in perspective. And it sounds like that's, sounds like, I don't know if that was knowingly exactly what you did or or unknowingly. Unknowing. Intuitively, it sounds like you've taken every step. Yeah, to was... integ- integrate your experiences in with your own perspective on a day-to-day life and that's i think really important yeah and I will... you kind of hit the nail on the head right there i'm not going to tell you that. uh i'm not going to tell you my first trip uh it'll be on the first podcast once that goes up i did talk about it a little bit and it's also uh documented on reddit as well it's my first post on reddit but my first trip was with an edible uh it wasn't there was no oh, i think i think i may have uh i think i may have read that in your okay profile. okay and um, I've had, I've I've had similar experiences with edible marijuana. I'm not a, I'm not I'm not a and and like you, which I think you said it was your first marijuana experience ever, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. So like you, I, I I'd had a couple of experiences here and there, but I was never like a day to day user. Um, but yeah, uh, marijuana edible is I've pr- probably had more intense experiences on marijuana edible than than on mushrooms <laughs> i don't know i don't want to say they're good experiences but they're more powerful <laughs> yeah yeah uh but it's just like um i didn't really know what i was getting myself into but it was it was odd because there's this is an idea and i talked about this a little bit on the first podcast but um this uh, there's a religious concept something you always hear inside of a christian church is that people are called to things and there's a calling and mm-hmm. uh like this woman was called to serve ministry in africa and this man was called to uh coach basketball in the inner city or you know anything there's callings people are just called to certain things and that's a big part of the Christian church. It's like, you need to find your calling and everyone's asking each other. It's like, I don't know what my calling is. I don't know how I'm being called, but you, when you are called to something, I promise you, you're going to know it. Uh, it's just like, you're not constantly being called to things. I was called to, to try acid and I, I didn't, I ended up using marijuana first, but for a solid year, I just out of nowhere, there was no reason. I'm telling you there was no reason. I didn't see a cool documentary. I wasn't uh, having a conversation with somebody and they were like, man, acid's cool. I hadn't started <laughs> I hadn't started listening to Joe Rogan podcast. I didn't know anything about psychedelics. And it just like a, like a bolt of lightning hit me and it was like, acid, you need to do acid. And I didn't know what this was. 
I just had, like, out of nowhere, I had this overwhelming desire to alter my consciousness with LSD. Yeah. So I started researching, and I researched it, and I researched it to death. And I read everything you could possibly read about LSD. And, and I read trip reports. I read hundreds and hundreds of trip reports. And then one day I said, well, I don't want to just take acid. Like, I've never taken any recreational drug ever. I've never smoked a cigarette. I'm just going to take acid? That's crazy. So I was like, well, I do know somebody who sells weed. Maybe I should try weed. And then I was like, well, I don't smoke. I've never smoked anything. I'm kind of afraid of smoking uh, because of that. Like, you know, there's a stigma to it. Um, Like I said, drugs aren't bad, but, you know, they get these... They get these uh, stigmas attached to them, especially here in America. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, smoking's not good. That can't be good for you. So I convinced this guy to make me an edible that was equivalent to 500 milligrams of THC. And I, and I tripped my fucking balls off. Oh, I had no, no idea what I was doing. I had no idea. But that... I've, tr- I've, I've had intense experiences on like 25 milligram edibles. 500, <laughs> I think 500 would break fabric of reality it for did. me. It broke the fabric of reality for me. Uh, people on that Reddit post said, that's not how drugs work. And I'm like, fucking try it. <laughs> Challenge, man. <laughs> Have you ever done it? But, yeah. Uh, my, my first edible experience was horrifying, to say the least. Um, but there was probably like 10 minutes of it that was really good. A and lot then, like, of mine Four was, hours. Horrifying. <laughs> a lot of my trip was scary, but... Just because it wasn't scary and, like, I was just being scared. Like, oh, here's scary things. It was just, like, I could have never expected that to happen. So it was so alarming that I had never changed my consciousness before. And here I am, like, as far out as I've ever gone. <laughs> it's like, whoa. Uh, it's like you th- I thought I was – I thought by trying weed first I was dipping my toes in the pool. But what had actually happened was – uh I fucking jumped into the ocean and a fucking whale grabbed a hold of me and just <laughs> and pulled me a hundred feet down immediately. It was like, get down here. <laughs> this is what you're going to experience. Um, yeah. So, but I was definitely called to the psychedelic experience. I thought I didn't know enough about psychedelics. Um, and I thought when I thought about psychedelics i thought about acid i didn't know there was like a lot of options mm-hmm. i had heard of mushrooms but i didn't think that was anything similar so and i definitely didn't think pot was psychedelic i had no fucking clue that pot could be psychedelic uh but that's the that's what i was called to i wasn't called to acid i was called to altering my consciousness with psychedelic drugs um because there was a hunger in me that i didn't i wasn't aware of uh this hunger, let's, I'm going to get real deep on you here. This hunger is the the uh, the why, why that's that was the hunger. Uh, oh yeah. I have I have a five year old, but I also have a an almost two year old, and he says why to everything. And <laughs> Louis Louis C.K. has a really good joke about this. Like it drives parents crazy because their kids are just saying why all the time, but. They just they get told because the the answers because they hear that so many times. Eventually, kids stop saying why, but it's something happened to me and my I started saying why again. Here I am as an adult, and now I'm saying why again. I'm questioning everything because I don't know. I think maybe it's just me, but somewhere deep down inside of me, I'm just not I'm not happy to accept 
just like the understanding of everything um, that has just been provided. I want I just, I want to know for real. And psychedelic <laughs> drugs really give you they're a, they're a tool um, for figuring out why. Um, they also, I would say I would say that if I had to, you know, if I had to analyze that statement, I would say all those things you said are, are all right on the money. And that uh, it sounds to me like you kind of, you put your ducks in a row, right? Mm-hmm. You had you had your personal and family life together. And I think there's some kind of subconscious or unconscious drive that kind of says, you know, is this it? Right. And that kind of goes right. along with the why question. It, it, it's something that you probably don't, don't even do consciously but it's just like you know trying to find a deeper meaning with mm-hmm. in in life and that's kind of like that 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 is i would say the big question right yeah finding the meaning within life and then what happens after we die i mean is is there any more anything deeper on a human level than that now i mean I that's can... pretty that pretty much encompasses the entire concept of god and in, in those two questions and i'm, I'm just going to put out a word of caution to people here because uh, this is a rabbit hole um and not everyone is ready for this journey uh not everyone is ready to ask those questions and when you start asking that questions people don't not everybody's going to be able to understand why you're asking these questions so it was a really big struggle when I first got interested in this with me and my wife. It was a huge struggle because here I am. I'm searching for I'm searching for why. I'm trying to find meaning. And when you're trying to find meaning in something, people who are in your life are they might get the uh, idea that you're no longer finding meaning in mm-hmm. like your relationships with them. And that's not what that's it not is. Yeah. It's so hard. It's really hard to get this through to people. Uh, and I still like, I have to reassure my wife all the time. I really do because she, you know, she's just afraid that I'm not satisfied with, mm-hmm. with, you know, being a, a, a husband and a father. And like, I'm just searching for something more, uh, greater, but I'm not looking for something beyond what I have because I want something better or more. You, you want to enrich, you want to enrich the things that you have. Yes, yes, yes. That's exactly what yeah. it is. It, these things go hand in hand. Um, uh, I think any way that you can find more meaning, is just going to make you a better, happier person. Um, I'm, I'm sure it makes you a better husband and father. I, I, uh, I think so because I'm, I'm more self aware than I ever was. If I'm, if my son says something to me and it just irritates the, the pants off of me, and before I might just fly off the handle and, and just you know go straight into punishment or like go to your room, and now I I can actually see like I can see that irritation rising up in me, mm-hmm. and I can ask myself, why am I feeling this way? Why is this irritating me? And is this even something worth being irritated about? And I'm telling you, 99% of the time, it's not. It never is. Yeah. But, that's a big that's a big realization there. But me a year ago, I didn't have that ability. I, I couldn't do it. I just I get irritated. I'm I I hold a lot of uh it doesn't help to hold regret, but I have some regret that I I feel like 
who I used to be, uh, people probably walked on eggshells around me because they just didn't want to set me off, you know? And that's a horrible thing to, to think about in retrospect, and I, I hate that. I hate that that was ever who I was. But you probably you probably judge yourself a little more harsher than most people do. I do. Which I is do. which is fair. Um, I mean, who who else is going to? But I'm not, I, if I think about the past, I get some negative emotions. But the real key to this, uh, my my new secret is just I don't think about the past. I try to stay out of the past as much as I can mm-hmm. because there's nothing I can do there anymore. It's fucking done. Um, yeah. Uh, but. Yeah, so people... Every, every, well, everybody's got something in their past that they regret, you know. People might Even, think that you're you're just... You're not finding meaning in what you have when you go on these journeys and these searches, but it's it's not that you don't have meaning and you're not, you don't find meaning in what you've got. It's just that you need more meaning. You just need more uh, additional meaning. It does, It's not in place of. It's in addition to... Uh, and I think any anything that you can do to increase meaning in your life, I mean, being present increases meaning. Um, that what I was saying earlier about thinking about how much worse things could be, that increases meaning. Just anything that you can do to increase the meaning you have in life, um, it's going to make you happier because if you, because these same thought processes of trying to find meaning. You can also come. You could come to the same, uh, like the opposite realization. Like, well, maybe there is no meaning because we're all just going to die anyway. But the meaning is something you know that you create, and um, you have yeah. to decide what's meaningful. Um, well, I would say that the the nihilistic point of view, you know, nothing has meaning, is the exact opposite of what you know. It's it's the antithesis of of that point yes. of view of why you know. It, it's not the correct you've, you've not arrived at the answer you've you've found the wrong answer <laughs> right, right, you know right. in, in some sense um it's really you know, easy like, to be nihilistic too yeah it is and it it, it excuses any kind of uh agency in but, my opinion yeah it does it, you don't you have no responsibility yeah it's, um, it's shallow in my in my estimation it's it's what every it's what every uh 18 year old views uh, religion as, or, you know, any 18 year old views the world in a hateful way. You right. know, it's like, yeah, yeah I it's, did. It's, it sounds, it sounds uh, deep, but it's really lacking, I think, in every way. Right, right. Like, uh, I know, uh, you know, the, I think it's one of Nietzsche's famous quotes is, he who has a why can bear anyhow. And I think that that's true. I mean, if you've got purpose and meaning in your life, it can be derived in you know a thousand different ways. Right. Um, but as long as you have a clear, a clear meaning to your life, you you know, nothing is going to break you. Right. Yeah. And that's that's important. I think. Um, you know, I kind of uh, I'm, I feel like I'm on the same journey. Uh, I feel like I feel like you're further along than I see myself, um, but I mean, hey, that's what it's about. It's about the journey, well, and that's that's kind of what life is. It's about that. I don't whatever know that whatever I'm, journey you're on, you know, just do it to the best of your ability. I don't know how far along I am, but I will say um, one advantage that I have is that the, my 
my career, the job that I'm in, um, I'm really, really good at it. I'm so good at it that I operate totally unconsciously. So I get, I literally five days a week, I get eight or more hours of pure contemplation. I'm working, I'm very productive, but the whole time I'm thinking. And I don't know if a lot of people get that, uh, like an eight hour block of their day to really just philosophize in their head. Um, and it, it, it's a blessing and a curse. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> because sometimes after you've just like, I've been thinking really hard for eight hours, then I get in my car and I start driving home. It can be hard to turn that shit off. But mm. I just feel like I've, I've thought a lot about these ideas. I've thought about them like just ad nauseum, repetition, unbelievable. Um, so many people don't get that chance, you right. know, to uh, actually, I mean, just, to think i mean thinking is hard first of all but uh yeah i mean to be to be in that zone that you where you're locked in and you're doing something like that that that's i would say if that's not the definition of, of meaning right that, that's pretty close to it. i mean being in that zone and doing something you enjoy and doing something productive and being extremely competent at it and finding you know we call that the zone right mm-hmm. that's that's the you're in the zone Right, that is inherently meaningful, I think, in itself, and uh, it's an interesting way you put it. Where I'm in that zone, and I can think about other things and really contemplate. Right. That's kind of an interesting way to look at it, and that's uh, so many so many people are just kind of like pinballed their way through life. You know, they're just reacting to every stimuli that comes its way, and you just don't have that moment to sit and relax and really think about your experiences in any uh contemplative way you know Mm -hmm. and that's i feel like a huge problem with our with our way of life in the 21st century i mean and that's kind of you know i think uh i think joe has this line where he's like i just wish i could give everybody a dose of you know whatever psychedelic if if just everybody just did a dmt trip then at least we'd all be on the same baseline of understanding (laughs) you know if if i could just give you know president trump a (laughs) you know buy them eo dmt hit (laughs) whatever then we'd at least have somewhere to start our conversation (laughs) or whoever you know right whoever you you know any politician or yeah even any even any person i mean if just every if just every person had all of a sudden you know after your experience you're gonna have a state of understanding that you didn't have before you know even if it's minute even if it's minuscule you know you, you just maybe you're not gonna judge that person across from you yeah you know saying something you don't like that you disagree with maybe you're just gonna judge them less because of it maybe you're you know maybe you're just gonna want to have a more meaningful conversation like, yeah what, what has brought this person to be in the in the mindset that they're in now rather than just say that's not how i feel about things this person's a fucking asshole mm-hmm. maybe you think yeah. like what what could happen in a person's life that would lead them to believe things this way and what has happened in my life to make me think the opposite I've, yeah yeah i think it's tough to it's tough to take stock of that quick quick judgments of people uh that's that's very cancerous it's not Oh, yeah. It's not healthy. Well, it's, tri- it's tribal, I think. Yeah, yeah. You're us versus them, you know. Yeah. 
Uh, that person's not me because they don't think the same way I think or nobody thinks whatever. the same, dude. Hopefully not. That would be that, that would be boring. Yeah. Nobody yeah. experiences life the same. It's not the same. No matter how similar you are. Uh two people who live uh have the same jobs, live in the same town, you know, take the same bus, their experience is a hundred percent different. You can't you can't I feel like on the other side of that coin, I feel like there's also a there's also a danger of only valuing the experiential aspect. Mm. You know, like there's kind of this, I would say this thought within the intersectionality argument that, you know, every person's experience is to be valued on top of everything else. And it's like, well, that there's definitely some truth to that. Um, but experience, pers- personal subject, subjective experiences first of all it's inherently subjective so right what what if their reading of their own experience is completely off base i mean that's perfectly possible yeah mine was for a long time (laughs) yeah i mean your unconscious evaluation of your own experience is probably the most the most incorrect thing you could imagine i mean Mm. especially if you have especially if the lens you're viewing your own experience with is flawed right you know so it's like yeah we we should we should you're placing the value on the experience when, you know, the value is on the individual um, and their experience, mm-hmm. you know, and it, the healthy individual, uh, the developed and conscious individual should have an experience that's worth valuing. Right. And you know, even an unhealthy individual has an experience worth valuing, but you've got to be careful with the way that you take stock of these things. I don't, it's a, it's a, I would say that's a hard line to, to travel, but uh, I feel like that, I feel like people's, you know, quote unquote experience gets valued and devalued now, depending on what they're, upbringing was what their background is you know race gender color origin you know whatever way you want to define people yeah which is inherently unhelpful to me um and divisive and toxic in my experience Hmm. Um, but should i value your experience (laughs) yeah well i think i think you value the individual thing else yes and then you kind of take stock of that um yeah i mean experience matters um, uh, well, yeah, but it's, I, I think it does. But it's not everything. But it's because you. What happens when you get like, if, say, if you're going to the, a psychiatrist and you're gonna you're gonna relate to them your experience through your subjective lens, and you know, hopefully, if they're a good psychiatrist, they're not gonna instantly judge you, but they're probably looking at you saying, "Hey, your your story doesn't add up." <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So. Yeah, you know, there, there's a, there's a truth there that's that's hard to quantify. Yeah, but well, it's, but it's definitely at at baseline. If you just treat every individual with some sort of understanding and compassion, then you're gonna have a good time. I think most of the time. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, compassion is is important. Uh, I think compassion can be problematic too, though. I think it can also go too far. Yeah, well, just like like what do you like the uh, if you were to put it in a 
narrative or mythological standpoint, it would be the the over overbearing mother, the yeah. evil queen. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, compassion definitely, because compassion for one maybe at the expense of another. Or, yeah, it definitely can go too far, and it's definitely it definitely can become such like a like a toxic thing where it's almost like you're 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 devaluing the individual because you know it's almost like you're looking at them like they need to be helped right you know it's like well they can't help they can't help themselves so i need to be i need to be helpful to them i need to give them a helping hand it's like that that's it that's inherently unhelpful right you know yeah i you need to be empowering that and like 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 that's a psychological psychoanalytical rule number one you don't rob the person you're trying to help of their destiny. Right, their ability right? to overcome their problems. Mm-hmm. It's you, their problem. If and if they don't work through it on their own, then you've completely stolen their... The growth aspect of it. They're like, well, now this this problem's gone, but I haven't developed. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So Exactly. That's kind of the, um, the, uh, the Christian taking up your cross. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, well, that's a powerful idea. It's it's your burden to bear, and um, yes, don't put your problems on me, man. <laughs> well, I think, and I think you know, going back full circle back to Christianity, that's kind of lost that, like, uh, lost that way of thinking. I think in the yeah. West, or at least in uh, Protestant versions. I think I think Christianity has so many good metaphors for this, for just the reality uh, mm-hmm. of spirituality. Um, it's just, yeah, I think a lot of a lot of um, churches take things too literal, mm-hmm. uh, and then they just try to push their own agenda. Well, it's the it's the interpretation is 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 wrong, yeah. right? Yeah. You've you've taken the fifty percent and interpreted it and you know in, incorrectly. Your, your lens that you're viewing the scripture with is is I think flawed. Right. You know, uh, which is why I, I think uh, the work that like Jordan Peterson does is so powerful oh, because yes. he's he's taken I think the correct lens in which to apply it. It's it's not it's not it's not rules to govern your life. It's it's a mode of existing in the world. Right. That is the true the true underlying power of of these stories yes. uh, and of, and of these histories that we have because I mean you know uh it's 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 not the and it's it's also not the we we in protestantism you take this it's the belief in god or the belief in jesus that makes you a christian and it's like you know that does that only gets you so far um well believing that somebody (laughs) believing that somebody did this literal act to save the world doesn't actually do anything for you it's when you say this mode of this mode of action that this person undertook is the best model for being and living a meaningful life right. it, it, it takes it this, can... this is this is the form i need to mimic it, uh, it reduces so to speak. suffering 
Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I think Jordan, like uh, I think Jordan is brilliant in that aspect. I think he totally gets um what the moral the moral of the stories are. You know, that's what it's that's it's trying to teach you that there are actual like ways that you can live that will uh make life better not maybe not happy maximize maximize your meaningful existence yes yes it will give you the most value Um, take take that cross and mm. take it bear you know move uphill to the highest good that you can imagine right right yeah so that's a tough um we've got six minutes left (laughs) and we got so off track that we never actually detailed your first <laughs> your yeah. first trip. Uh, how that's how things go sometimes. Well, I think we got into a little bit of uh, <laughs> some of your my LSD revelations. <laughs> yes, yes, just in a roundabout way, I'm sure. Um, maybe maybe next time we we can get into that. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. I I just think that uh, if if life if you can't find the meaning in life, start looking, uh, um, mm-hmm. because it's there. It, it, you're what you find meaningful might not be the same thing that I find or vice versa. Of course versa. not. Yeah. But, that's good. But you yeah, can, you should can be. find the meaning. You can find it. It <laughs> is there. Uh, you might have to make it, you know, but it's there. Um, well, you gotta find, you gotta find that, uh, I think there's, there's a, you gotta find your calling, like right. your, uh, <laughs> like your, uh, like your churchmates told you. <laughs> well, you know, but uh, kind of with the call, it's not gonna come from nowhere. It's gonna come from yourself. I think a lot of people get wrapped up in that, like, oh, what's my calling? I don't know what my calling is, and it's kind of how you were talking about me having my ducks in a row. Maybe your calling doesn't actually present yourself, present itself to you until you have. Um, worked your way up that Maslow's chart of, you know, hierarchy of needs. Um, because, you know, if you, there are things that you need as a, as a, as an individual, you need at the base level, you need security. You need, you need like food and water. And then the next level you need shelter. Then the next level you need, uh, what is it? Relationships. Uh, you need people. And then Mm -hmm. the next level you need intimacy. So there's like the sexual aspect. Uh, and then, the fi- then the next level intimacy well, even goes beyond that. I think you know. Yeah. Well, yeah, it does. But um, I think it, it, if you're not experiencing that part, uh, I, I don't know. I think it plays a big role. Um, yeah. It does for me personally. <laughs> <laughs> um, huge. But, it kind of it's uh, it's almost you could compare it to the uh, psychedelic oh, experience. It's a very you know, transcendental like, experience. It en- it enhances the intimate experience, you could say. It does. It does. <laughs> and the way that psychedelics enhance the, uh, you know, the consciousness. Experience. Yes. So then, after the intimacy level is uh, self awareness, and then Maslow, before he died, he ended up adding a sixth a sixth um, uh, step on the hierarchy ladder, and it is transcendence. Um, so I, mm. I he must have been he must have been getting dipping into the 
into the uh, mushroom brews and stuff. <laughs> I, I have to imagine he was. But well, it sounds kind of like a Buddhist or a Hindu philosophy. I feel but... like once I made it to step uh, five, when I was um, becoming more self-aware, then you start, the, you start your search for the transcendent. The, the calling just kind of appeared, you know? It just kind of showed up. So, um, don't maybe we're, you, you shouldn't be looking for your calling. Maybe you should be getting your ducks in a row. Well, you, well, you should be open to the idea that rant that will scoop you up mm. and drive you forward, you know? Yeah. If you're not, you know, maybe you're not looking for it, but you're at least open to yes. accessing a new mode or accessing, you know, a new path. Right. And that's, and I think that's the, what an amazing thing about psychedelics is you you become open to new pathways. Right. When you when your brain, you know, it's it's some. I feel like I I feel it's it's definitely something to do with the you know the the neuro neurological structure in your brain that just is overhauled with oh, the psych- yeah. psychedelic experience especially mushrooms yeah i i feel like i feel personally that mushrooms are the well you know i i haven't had a dmt experience i can imagine that's well probably extremely works in extremely similar ways but i i really feel like with mushrooms you like are actually putting a reset button on your brain yeah. Um, LSD in some sense, but I feel, I feel like it's a little more artificial, mm-hmm. um, and not quite as long lasting. Um, okay. With mushrooms, it feels like a complete natural step, and it just it it changes everything. I think, um, and you can really at a, at a meaningful juncture in your life, if you choose, if you do, you have a mushroom experience. Uh, you're going to be better off afterward. Hmm. Right. Just, just from the, yeah, it's almost, it's almost to me like a, like, it's like, it's like a reset button for your, for your brain operation. Hmm. Well, Um, there's something to it because, you know, you've seen about it's neurogenesis mm -hmm, creates mm -hmm. new neural pathways. uh, That's definitely sounds right to me. It allows neurons to connect to each other and fire quicker. And also while you're under the influence, it, it deactivates some parts of your brain that are, you know, like in control of uh, uh, different um, emotional responses. And so, I mean, it's, it's a very interesting concept. I, in fact, it, the neurogenesis part is so fascinating that I would love to, to go on a long uh, uh, microdosing experiment i'm not quite yeah. there. i'm not quite there yet but just to see if it if it has any sort of uh cognitive improvement over like I, a long period of time you'd probably in a perfect spot to to do it as well because mm-hmm. you've already got your kind of like uh you know like your eight hour routine like you were saying where you kind of just you're in the zone i mean that's like the perfect i think microdosing environment right you know to it would only accentuate that that feeling of uh, productivity, right. that feeling of uh, you know, you're in the moment, in the zone, doing doing what you're good at. Uh, that would, I would imagine, that would be amplified to to the hundredth degree. Right. Yeah. 
So that might that might be something. That might be something that I'll be doing soon. But um, yeah, let me know how that goes. Yeah, yeah, I definitely will. This podcast will definitely be an outlet for that kind of information. Man, I really appreciated having you on. Uh, this is awesome. This is so much fun, man. I, it is. It's a tremendous amount of fun. It's. It is another way that I've. I'm adding meaning to my life. Uh, this. This has meaning to it. <laughs> having this conversation with you today has made, like, it's put a lot of momentum in this day for me. This is how I started my day. Woke up took a shower and I had this amazing conversation that doesn't happen. This, these kinds of conversations just don't, they don't just happen. (laughs) So we made this happen and now I get to carry out this momentum for the rest of the day. It can only get better. So I, yeah, I just want to thank you so much for entertaining, uh, entertaining me for the last couple of hours. Um, I think these sort of long form conversations are going to be, uh, um, very well received. I can't wait to share this with the uh, general public. Yeah, thank you, man, as well. It's been a real ple- pleasure. Yeah, yeah I hope we get to do it again. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. Uh, as long as you're you're available, I I definitely think we should. <laughs> yeah, sounds great, man. All right. Well, you have a great day, and I will talk to you later. Yeah, you too. Take care.